You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Are you all well? You in happy mood, cheery, bright, Christmas is coming. I do want to ask the question. Pastor Bill had said we are 10 days out from Christmas. I know that, that instills a lot of fear. Uh, anger, stress, uh, all kinds of ranges of emotion. I want to ask, because I actually am curious, how many of you are done with your Christmas shopping? Okay, okay. That's not a lot, you know? There's still a lot to do here for many of you, so uh, good luck. Time's ticking. (laughs) I say that so, like, out there because I'm done. Guys, I'm done. I did it. I'm thankful that we can just like press a button and things just show up at the front door. Uh, that has made life really easy and uh, also stressful as well because, you know, when a package gets delayed, you're like, what? someone stole it. It's like, it's stolen. Uh, that's not the case. Anyway, good luck. Love y'all. I hope that you are not stressed during this time. I hope that you can really focus on what this is really all about. And before I start in on the message, I'm already delaying myself because I need to take a moment and I need to publicly thank and honor our science team because I was just driving in early this morning to church and saw Dan Metnick out there setting up the signs. And can we just like... You know, it seems like it's just signs, but we have had story after story, and there's a whole team, so thank you so much for for those of you who serve on our science team, of people who literally, this might sound like a lie, but I swear to you it is true. We have had people say, and maybe you're here this morning, uh, of people who are like, we saw these signs, and so we followed them. And we ended up in your church, and then they stick around, and it's super cool. So thank you so much uh, just seeing you serve so faithfully. I know you love attention, so uh, let's move on. I'll move on. We're in part three of our series called Vital Signs, and I am loving this series. If it is true that Jesus is who he said he was, then there's a lot at stake when it comes to our ability and to trust him, and to believe in him. If Jesus is who he says he was, then there's a lot at stake. And our ability to believe in him and trust in him is really a matter of faith. Now, the word faith has really, I think, gotten distorted in our culture as it's associated to people of Christianity or religion, especially Christianity, because oftentimes faith is associated synonymously with blind faith, which is more like not true faith. True faith is like an ability to trust and to believe, but not blindly, based on an ability to, for it to be reasonable, for it to be on evidence, you know? God doesn't want anyone to just be like, hey, blind, let's just blindly jump in whatever. That's not what Christianity really is. It really is real. It really is reasonable, so reasonable, and this is loaded beyond the scope of this morning. It's more reasonable to believe and to have faith in God than it is to not believe and not have faith in God. And one of the things that is really awesome about this series is 
it increases our faith, our ability to trust, our ability to believe, because there's some evidence that we're looking at here in this series as well. Although, of course, when you have faith that's even based on evidence and it be reasonable, that doesn't mean that there is no mystery and that we have just all the things figured out always. That's not what that means, but there's enough evidence and there's some real evidence behind the Christian faith that's like, wow, here's a God who really existed, who really is worth you exploring and opening that door. So maybe you're here and you've never really looked into a faith, a trust, a belief in God. And I'm hoping that this series will serve as a way for you to kind of see some more evidence to this whole Christian faith. And so part one and part two, some of the prophecies, those of ancient times who looked forward to the Messiah, Jesus coming, it's really remarkable to see how prophecies were made and how fulfillments occurred of these prophecies. So one and two, parts one and two, week one, 4,000 BC, and maybe you would actually write these down just to keep track of where we've been because it's a good faith builder. Because this is some evidence type stuff here, which is awesome. 4,000 BC, Adam and Eve received the prophecy that the Messiah would be born of a woman. And you have the texts of those promises or prophecies and then the fulfillments underneath there as well. Genesis 3.15, fulfillment, Galatians 4.4, 4, 1 Corinthians 15.45, Ephesians 2.1-4. through 4. Week 2, 700 BC, Isaiah prophesies that Jesus' mother would be a virgin who conceived by a miracle and that Jesus would be God who became man. Promise was Isaiah 7.14, fulfillment was Matthew one. 18 through 23, I'd encourage you to write these down because it's good faith builders. Now, while these, these series, this series of vital signs did not exist to be just an apologetic for the Christian faith, apologetic meaning defense of the Christian faith. In fact, there's a whole like separate world in theology of apologetics, which is like people who really study and reason and sit down in like academic environments and, and give a reason and evidence for the Christian faith, while this series is not intended nor designed to really be an apologetic exclusively for the Christian faith, I think that it helps. It helps. It helps increase our faith when we can look at some of these grand and awesome prophecies and fulfillments in the scriptures. But it is beyond that. It is something that when looking at these vital signs or prophecies, it is beyond just, you know, evidence. It's something that I believe ought to encourage us, ought to motivate us, ought to uh, send us out of this place when we come together with like a renewed sense of like hope and mission and purpose and encouragement. And so the main verse we're using for this series is found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. God showed his love for us when he sent his only son into the world to give us life. And so when we're looking at the promises in the scriptures, promises aren't just isolated in the scriptures to those who had first heard them, but they have real implications for us today. Whether you have a faith in Christ or you don't have a faith in Christ, if you have a faith in Christ, then really these promises have huge implications for you today. And if you're not 
someone who believes in maybe even the existence of God, you don't have a faith in God, maybe you're just open, you're new to the whole Christian thing, then these promises kind of reveal some of what God has in store for you. And it speaks of not only a promise that is applicable to the Christian life today, but also speaks of, when looking at the promises of God, how God is loving and God, how his love can be shown toward us and how he wants to show his love toward us, amen? And so we're gonna be honing in on a particular promise, prophecy here this morning, a continuation in part three of our series, Vital Signs. 700 BC, Micah prophesies. Now, by the way, that's, that's a long time ago. That's a long time, BC, before Christ. You know, now it's BCE. So if you're not familiar, you know, in school, you're taught BCE, which is before the common era. But now it's, you know, it used to be BC, before Christ, and AD in the time of our Lord. Now it's BCE and CE, before the common era and common era. Just the world is changing. But we will not forget Christ as a part of our history. 700 BC, Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in the town of Bethlehem. And so Micah chapter five, verse two, and maybe you would write that down. This is the prophecy here. Micah chapter five, verse two, I'm gonna read it in its entirety. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small, just a little hint into this morning's sermon, I became obsessed and fixated on this part of this text Though you are small, I can tell you're getting as excited as I am. (laughs) But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Though you are small, one would come, is going to come from you, who is going to be the ruler over Israel, ruler of really the whole world, the Messiah, the promised one, the one everyone's been looking forward to, the one who who would save the world, who would restore hope for all humanity is gonna come out of Bethlehem, though you are small, Bethlehem. And then Luke chapter two, verses one through four, I'm gonna, 14, excuse me, I'm gonna read it in its entirety. And this is an exciting passage to read. Because it's very Christmassy, and I love Christmas, so you guys okay? You awake this morning? Make sure. You like Christmas? How many of you hate Christmas? That was a trick question. Can't hate Christmas. Jesus was born. (laughs) In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem. Hello, Bethlehem, the Bethlehem, like Micah 5 2, Bethlehem. Just make sure you're up to speed here. The town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. I want to hone in on verses six through seven here. While they were there in Bethlehem, 
The time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her first son, firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And we are a part of all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Just love that. Micah 5, 2, and then Luke chapter 2. Out of you, Bethlehem, though you are small, there will be a ruler over Israel born out of you. And here in Luke chapter 2, we see that ruler has a name and his name is Jesus. Now, Here's how I will sum up Micah chapter 5, verse 2, and Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. Here's like the summing up of those two prophecies and fulfillments. From something small will come, and did come, so came something great. From something small will come, and came something great. Now, This is important for us to remember some 2,000 years later after the birth of Christ and us living as followers of Jesus. And if you're here and you aren't a follower of Jesus, then stick with us here because there's real encouragement to be had in observing how God works and the prophecies and looking how he has moved and worked throughout history. From something small will come and came something great. How many times do we live our lives wondering, is this even making a difference? I keep trying to invest in this family member, in this friend, in this marriage. I keep trying to do the godly thing. I see how he wants me to act, and I am doing it. It, Is it even doing anything? Is it going to do anything? I am sick and tired of it not doing anything. Maybe you've sat in church services and heard of the grand plans that God has had for humanity of how he wants people to be literally world changers. People and and, and images within the scriptures of a a light to the world, salt to uh, to preserve, not pervert, preserve, hello, godliness in a corrupt and broken world. God has these plans for people to grab the hands of other people and help them to find hope in life, not only life here on this earth, but life eternal, to love the unlovable, to be beacons of mercy and justice and joy in a messed up world. And how many times do we sit back and wonder, but how can I? participate in that. My past is too messed up. 
I'm not talented. I've got nothing significant to offer. Look at that person. I'm nowhere near as gifted as that person. From something small will come. And we saw the scriptures, how God works through the small. God did something great. And so really, there's no place in the Christian life to participate in or be subject to or to fall into a shark tank syndrome. Shark tank syndrome. By the way, this is important that I make this little legal statement. I'm just kidding, it's not really legal. Of This is not a clinical term. I made this up. Just wanna let you know. Shark tank syndrome. I also want to give you one more caveat before I explain this because you're wondering what the heck does that mean. Okay, so let me tell you something else. I don't like gimmicks in sermons. I'm not a gimmicky person. I don't like gimmicks. But if something comes to my mind, for better or for worse, I have to say it. And so Shark Tank Syndrome. How many of you have heard of the show Shark Tank? A very popular show. If you don't know the show, I'm going to explain to you real quick. There is a panel of what the show in different seasons in the intro describe as being, I think it's funny, filthy rich investors, literally a part of the intro, very funny. Filthy rich investors, millionaires and billionaires who have experienced a lot of success and money beyond what maybe I will ever experience, um, but we're praying. And they're sitting and they sit down in a line, a panel, and they have people come in and pitch their company, pitch their product, pitch their idea, And of course, when I watch this show with my wife, Lauren and I, my wife and I are big fans of the Shark Tank show, look forward to it all the time, I love watching it, and if you're like me, you also become a millionaire investor as you are listening to these pitches. You're like, that's not going to work. What are are your sales? That's exactly what I was going to say, Mark. What are your sales? Dwayne? Exactly. We all become professionals, and so oftentimes I will look and say, oh, they're not going to want that. That's not going to do anything. Well, in October season of 2012 of Shark Tank, there was a man who came onto this show with a product that I looked at and was like, this ain't going to work. It's not going to work. He had a little sponge that was in the shape of a smiley face called the Scrub Daddy. You guys know. How many of you own a Scrub Daddy? Spoiler alert already. I looked at, I'm not, not gimmick, by the way. I'm telling you, this is honest. I looked at this and I'm like, this is too small. There is no, it's just a little stupid product. It's a smiley face. How even practical is it? It's got holes in it, you know? That's what I was thinking for a, you know, what do you call it? It's a, what is it? Sponge, thank you. I was losing the word sponge. Very common term. It happens to preachers. It's like, I don't know, water, gone, sponge. But Lori Grenier ended up landing on a deal, 20% for $200,000, which valued the company at a million dollars. And the next day it went on to QVC. And I have to read this now. It sold out of 42,000 units the next day in under seven minutes. So that happened, and that's a lot of money. But then, as of 2018, the company was valued at $170 million. And yet, I'm sitting down, looking at this product, and I'm like, it's just 
I mean, are we really standing before investors with a sponge, a smiley face? Like, it's too small. Shark tank syndrome, the propensity to undervalue or to doubt the potential of something seemingly small. And we allow this to come into our lives, this kind of syndrome. This is too small. The problem is too big. This is too small for me to make a difference, to let God come in and actually change something. So why do anything? It is too small. And yet on reflecting on Luke chapter two, theologian, author, pastor, preacher, speaker, John Piper said, God chooses something small, quiet, out of the way, and does something there that changes the course of history and eternity through the seemingly small. Then, of course, I got excited when looking at and considering all that God has done to order the universe and using seemingly small things to become mighty and big things. I'm thinking of even the natural order of the universe. I mean, you're getting honest, and this might give you a little glimpse into my head, and you might think, wow, he's a little strange, which is okay, because I am a little strange, admittedly. I was thinking, you know, if I didn't know how trees existed, these big old oak trees, and someone were just come, to me, come up to me, and I didn't know how they came into being, I don't think that I would ever in a million years guess that it comes from a little seed, or a person, and how a person is brought into this world. Hello, there are children still in here. I can see them. I won't go there. <laughs> Seemingly small, God orders the natural universe to grow and to expand from seemingly small beginnings. How much more true is it of a spiritual realm in the spiritual world? In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is teaching of how the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, interchangeably used in the scriptures, the rule of God on this earth, kingdom of God would enter into this world where it is broken, and it is corrupt, it is unjust, and there is evil. And how God wanted to intervene and establish his rule of goodness and righteousness and justice and love and joy and mercy into a broken, fragmented, dark world, how he would bring it in. Speaking in Matthew chapter 13 of talking of this kingdom of heaven, it is like a mustard seed used specifically because mustard seed is the smallest, one of the smallest seeds that exists in how the kingdom of heaven, this rule of God is like a mustard seed. Though it is small, when it is planted, it will grow and the birds will find shade in its leaves and in its branches or like yeast. How small and yet it infiltrates the whole of the dough. This is how God speaks of the seemingly small and how he wants to use the seemingly small to do some really impactful and big and meaningful and eternal things. And what encouragement can be found in this? In Zechariah, you have this whole picture, minor prophet who receives this vision when the nation of Israel had returned from exile, which I'm skipping some points here, but stay with me because this is an important fact. There's one, this, this happens every now and again. This is a parenthetical statement here. I shouldn't do this. People shouldn't do this. I'm gonna do this. I got one little verse that just came to my heart and my spirit for this message 
And then I gotta explain the whole context just for one little verse, which I've even told you all, I've done this before. But there you have Zechariah, who's a prophet. He receives this vision. God's people, they were exiled. They had come back from exile and they were lacking in their faith and their trust and their belief in God. But then Zechariah receives this vision of a restored people, a nation, and how God was going to do awesome things. And it really is going to start with something seemingly small, the rebuilding of a temple. I mean, a grand picture of what God is going to do and how it begins with this rebuilding of this temple, which just seems so small in relation to what God was going to do with this nation of Israel who had returned from exile. And so there's this little verse in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, that I think is so important for us here this morning. And as Christians living in this world at this point in time, do not despise the days of small beginnings. Despise literally to mean undervalue. Do not undervalue the days. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. When you feel this prompting of God, when you know that you ought to make a move in a particular direction, bringing godliness into a friendship, a relationship, into an area of injustice or corruption or evil. And if you're wondering, oh, this is too big, what difference will this little godliness make. Do not despise the days of small beginnings. God magnifies through faithfulness, meaning he enlarges things as we are faithful. The importance of things, the actual size of things, it begins with a starting in the seemingly small and a faithfulness in that way that God has directed you and me. I think of even the mills here. People have come in, and I'm hoping that you're among them, as I am among them. People have come into this space, have experienced God, have experienced godly community, and it has changed the course of their life. That's no insignificant thing. When there are patterns of dysfunction, when there are patterns of ungodliness, when there is a lack of hope, when there is an anxiety and people come into this place and they experience a real life change that cannot come from Riverside, from Pastor Mike, from Pastor Bill, from Pastor David, but comes truly from God and God's people. That's no small thing. But to arrive here, you have to go all the way back to 1986 where this man here, Pastor Bill Ellis, had a calling from God, seemingly small penhills in the Messianic Hall. Where did we start? House? Masonic Hall. What did I say? I said Messianic. You know. Started small. How many people were there at that time? 20 people? I remember Pastor Bill sharing at times, not to blow you up here, uh, saying like discouragement come in. Like, God, what is it? Is this where I'm supposed to be? Left a fruitful ministry in Penn State and came in 1986 here to plant Riverside Community Church with 20 people showing up. And a faithfulness in the seemingly small 
led the mills to exist at 2006, sign, you know, setting up in the theater. People coming to experience God. How many people were here during the theater years? Not that many, but a lot, but not that many. But the faithfulness in that time, look at how many we have come together and how many lives have been changed because of a faithfulness in the seemingly small. God magnifies through our faithfulness. He enlarges, he blesses through our faithfulness. How is that so confirmed in looking at Jesus's life? Jesus entered into humanity, fully God, fully man, lived in obscurity, resisted temptation, just faithful in the small things, healed, teached, remained faithful, died, rose from the dead. You can kind of see how we're growing in kind of big things. Hello, conquered death, rose from the grave, died on the cross. Seemingly small beginning to a massive end. What's the massive end? It is a provision of salvation for all who would confess a faith in him. I mean, you gotta think about that for just a moment. You can enter into relationship with God and have eternity of life with him just based on a confession, meaning a statement, meaning a belief in your heart that translates to words out of your mouth. If you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. How simple it is to enter into a relationship with God and be guaranteed life and life eternal to let him become ruler of your life. How big and amazing is that from seemingly small beginnings of faithfulness, of obscurity, resistance, of temptation, of living and teaching. And and now look. And now we get to participate in helping to change the world. And God wants to do it in the most seemingly unlikely of ways. With people who feel that they are unqualified. With people who feel that they don't have a lot to offer. With people who feel that they have gone way too far down the other road. With people who have messed up histories and who really lack in confidence. With people who are on the top. With ways and seemingly small beginnings of infusions of kindness and justice and right living. I mean, really, God wants to do something miraculous with seemingly small beginnings. It just requires a faithfulness in that small thing that God has called us to do. And so as we close out here, as I close out here this morning, and I want to invite the worship team to come back up here this morning. I kind of wanted to leave it a little bit broad with an application of What is the small thing that God wants you to do? And I always have to, like I'm in my head and with my hands, you're seeing me instinctively kind of go, quote, air quote, small. Because it's not small. It's significant. And God wants to bless even the mustard seed. He wants to grow it. But what is it that we need to do? Where do we need to start stepping out in even some small ways and be faithful that prophecy, prophecy in, from Vital Signs, part three here, came from Micah chapter five, verse two, and Micah chapter six, verse eight. This is a very common and awesome, beloved scripture. 
What should I do? How should I step out in small ways that God might bless it and do something eternal and significant? He has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? That's a lot of implications, and that's what I love about the scripture. It is so broad that no one can get out from under it. (laughs) Spoken in words that maybe it would be a little more clear for some of us here this morning. Micah 6, 8. But he's already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love and don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. I love that. Don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. What would it look like to start small and taking God seriously in this new season of life as we're closing out a year of 2019 into a year of 2020, where hopefully, like the year, our vision will become clearer. Hello, 2020. Took a second to sink in because it's 10 o'clock in the morning, which I understand. What ways do we need to step out in seemingly small ways where we need to take ourselves less seriously and take God more seriously? It's so small, but maybe it's just even prioritizing being a part of this Christian faith Riverside community on a Sunday morning. That's so small. How would just coming on a Sunday morning? Do not despise the days of small beginnings. Maybe it's just picking up that phone call because there's that friend that you know you ought to reach out to, that you know you ought to sit down with. And just a text, but it is so small. A text? Maybe it's actually putting some resources, some time, some energy sharing of experiences or even resources for the first time, but I don't have a lot to offer. Oh, would you say that that's small? Because it's the very small that God wants to use to do something really big. And that ought to be encouragement for us here this morning. And so I actually want to challenge you as we leave this place with the quotes and all, start something small. You know, you get overwhelmed when you look at the big, right? How can I ever, that problem is so big. No, 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 don't worry about the big. Worry about the small. And if you're here this morning, and I want to infuse this encouragement with you, please hear this from my heart. If you have been moving forward in faithfulness in the small, step after step, and it's just a painful step. It's a hurtful step. You put yourself out there. You're getting beat down because you're just, you, you see the small thing and you're trying to go for it. I want to encourage you here this morning. That is so significant what you are doing in the eyes of God. You know, God works through the small. So don't you lose courage. Don't you lose hope. Don't you lose your resolve. Don't lose your energy. You just keep on doing the very thing that God has called you to do. You be faithful with the small. You let God worry about the rest. You know, God, he wants to work through that small thing. So don't you lose any encouragement and the joy that God has for your life because you are standing as one who God looks at and says, well done, 
my good and faithful servant as you are faithful in even the small. I'm gonna take a moment to pray here this morning and would you stand? And I would love for us to sing out to God and my hope for this morning was that we could see just how glorious and beautiful and loving God is for ordering this universe in the way he wants to use people in this way. Because we can all do something small. But it's in that very small thing that God wants to change the world and don't you ever lose sight of it. And maybe here this morning, it's even just starting with a conversation. God, I wanna be open to you. Doesn't that seem small? But what God can do with an honest conversation, an opening of our lives to him, I believe, he'll begin to not only change your life, but change the world through you, even through the small. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. You're a loving God. You're a good God. Help us, Holy Spirit, to see that small thing that we should do. Help us to see with renewed eyes, with renewed hope, that we could see beyond current circumstances and see the potential in situations and the step, the small step we need to do and to take in order to bring you into it, God. I pray for the person here who maybe has been faithful in that small thing and they're beginning to doubt whether it's meaningful or impactful or if it's really any part of you at all. Holy Spirit, I pray that the wind of heaven would fill them with an encouragement this morning, that they'd have a renewed sense of their purpose, of their energy to continue on doing the thing you have called them to do, even if it's seemingly small, God, I pray you would bless them, help them to leave this place with their head held high in knowing full well that this is right in line with your plan, even if it is small. I pray to the person here who would take a step out in faith, maybe even for the first time in a conversation with you, opening up a small window, I pray that you would burst through it and show them just how good you are, even in just providing a little bit of space in small steps and how you show up as a result. You are worthy of all of our praise. And we want to glorify you here this morning. So would you receive our worship? Thank you for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.